Let us go to the word, Mark 11, 20 to 24. In the morning, as they went along, they saw the fig tree wither from the roots. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you curse has withered. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. I tell you the truth, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, just up to there. Amen. God is the Almighty. 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 Genesis 17.1. Nothing is impossible with him. Uh, Genesis 18.14 says, Is anything too hard for the Lord? And the answer is no. Nothing is too hard for the Lord. Yes? Jeremiah 32.17 says, Sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. And for he is almighty, he's able to act according to what he speaks. Numbers 23, 19. So whatever he says, he fulfills. Whatever he says he will do, he does it. And he's able to do so without a doubt because he is the almighty. Do you believe that? Faith is having faith in God. Uh, as uh, Jesus himself said in, here in the passage, have faith in God. Um, it is to have faith in God. It is to have, to have the faith of God, which I will explain a bit. Um, having faith in God because God is almighty, having faith in Yeshua, uh, who is Jesus, Yeshua Jesus, uh, for he is the almighty. John 14 verse 1 says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God? Believe also in me. You trust in God? Trust also in me. These are the words of Yeshua. So faith means to trust in God, for he is almighty. Trust in Yeshua, for he is almighty. Do you have that faith? That you have to then live. And that's faith life, that's Christian life, that's spiritual life. Which means to not become disappointed. To not become disheartened in any situation. By possessing the faith of God, the faith in God, until the very end. And declaring his might. For God is mighty. Amen? So if we experience his might in our lives, we can't help it but to declare it, to testify it. That our God is mighty. He is almighty. He's almighty. He's the almighty God. So we boldly, joyfully testify through our experience. And that means to trust that every single day of our lives, no matter what the situation is. Yes? We've been talking about faith here um, uh, since the beginning of the year. Um, and... That's what we have. That's what we want to have as Christians, believers of God, believers of Yeshua. But we're not the only ones who have faith. People, everyday people, ordinary people out on the street, um, in the world, they, um, they operate by faith. Even though they might not think so, but every decision they make, every action they take is based on some sort of faith. Um, so it's not in the biblical sense of faith or definition of faith, but rather belief. And it's usually belief in themselves and belief in the world and belief in things in the world. So no one is uh, without it. Everyone has this sort of operating system, if you will, operating system. So this is their um, um, concept or um, their um, basis um, for uh, by which or upon which they make decisions and take action. So they trust um, in relationship, trust in people, trust in their society and um, the systems they, they live in. 
and um, people go to work. Um, when you start a new job and they say, I'll pay you X, Y, Z, and then you say, amen. Maybe you don't say amen, thank you. And you sign the contract. And then uh, if you get paid biweekly, you have to wait for your first check for those two weeks. Or maybe some jobs pay um, monthly. Um, you know, or first jobs, maybe there's some sort of probation and it's a little bit even longer. So during the time you're going to work and you're working your butt off and you don't get a dime for it, but do you doubt that you're going to not get paid? If you doubt, you wouldn't get out of bed and get in the subway and go to work. <laughs> hi-ho, hi-ho, here we go again. Time to make the donuts and just keep, go to work. Um, no, you actually believe that you're going to get paid. You're, you're, the, the check is getting printed or the deposit, direct deposit is going to be made into your account. So you go to work assuming that um, the payment is going to be made to you. Um, and then that kind of... Um, Thinking um, allows people to make investments, uh, make investments in companies. Um, I think there's the news about what's called Silicon Valley Bank, yeah, that has just folded, uh, basically. And had, there was a bank run. They ran out of money, basically. And um, it may be just like unknown banks to us here on the East Coast, Northeast, but this is like a very um, important bank, apparently, to many startups in the Silicon Valley uh, area. So a lot of small companies have taken out um, money from, and, uh, from the bank or invested into the bank or whatever, to, uh, made relationship with the bank. But people are like running there to take their cash out. And you might have seen some pictures of that, like the cash bank, those cars, those armored vehicles are standing there just in case people are going to like pull out their ATM machine. I don't know. But uh, it's created panic um, for these investors. But not only that, also the stock market. So it has this sort of ripple effect. Um, but when they uh, take out, took out money or made investment, they didn't think that this was going to happen. I mean, of course, it's FDIC or you know, federally insured um, money or uh, investment. Even so, however, banks do run out of money. I mean, that has happened in history, and here we go again. Uh, it, it has happened. But still, people continue to invest, make investment in real estate, in stocks, um, in companies, in, um, in studies as well. So people pay a lot of money um, sending um, their children or their own money to, to pursue education, higher ed, and even graduate studies. And that's a lot of money now, especially in this country, huge amount of money. So all of that is made investment, thinking there will be return, you know, that it, the investment will actually bring in return. Uh, unfortunately and sadly, that's not always the case. That's uh, the reality of life. Um, one of the most riskiest uh, business in, uh, in life is marriage. Yes, marriage. So people get married, and it's so risky that there is 50%. Actually, in some countries, it's more than 50. I don't know how that works, but 60 or even 70% of failure. How does that work? It's, 50, it's one out of two, but it has to be one out of like 1.5 per marriage. I don't know. But the statistic is so high in, uh, for divorce in some societies that it's, it's, it's actually troubling. Right? Uh, but people still do get married. And when they get married, they don't think that's going to happen to them, that they have this confidence that it's going to go because they love each other. Um, but it is a very risky business. Um, and people, similarly, people um, have no doubts in getting on boats and cars and elevators, um, cable cars and airplanes. So this kind of um, belief is based on probabilities. Um, what are probabilities? It's how likely something is going to happen. And based on probabilities, and you have um, a study or a, um, a practice called statistics. Uh, and statistics is collecting and analyzing large amount of uh, uh, quantity of of data, and then based on that, you have um, you use uh, with the purpose of inferring um, 
proportions in whole um, um, from this sort of representative sample. So you have people taking surveys and all kinds of stuff. And then not only on your insurance policy, it is application on like sports too. So, you know, you have analytics now. So it used to be just with baseball, but now it's just like with all kinds of uh, baseball, uh, any, any types of sports, um, that there is like this um, just incredible amount of data about a play, about a player, about a, a, a you know, championship or whatever. So like as soon as some play is made and then you got the data coming up on the right. And these are usually like Harvard grads or standard grads Stanford grads, uh, who would have thought that they were going to work for ESPN? But they do, because they pay them a lot of money, because based on all these stats, then people can actually then uh, trade or draft players, but also bet, or they gamble on these things. Does that mean that they're always going to succeed? No, there's probability for succeed, but there's good probability for failure. So therefore, this is not biblical faith, but it is a belief in the self, um, simply called self-confidence. So self-confidence is, yes, confidence in yourself and uh, in your own power and ability, uh, but it really is this kind of quote-unquote faith or belief that natural people have, meaning people who do not believe in God necessarily, but this is how the world operates. If you think about it, the entire world operates based on probabilities. So it's sort of the faith based on probabilities that everyone has based on one's knowledge and experience Uh, While there is risk for failure, um, people still uh, make investment and they trust. Now, what is faith that the Bible talks about? It's when Yeshua said, have faith in God or believe in God and believe in me. What kind of faith is that? The Greek word for faith, especially in that uh, text there in Mark 11.20, is pistis. Hey, pistis. And it's a noun form of pisteu or uh, pistis means faith, faithfulness, belief, trust. Um, even confidence. And it comes from the root word, patho, which means to persuade, to be persuaded. It kind of, if you have to kind of think about it, like, oh, faith means to be persuaded, hmm. which supplies that the persuasion comes not from within self, but from God. So the one who's persuading me to believe is not myself, but it is God. So it's called, it's basically divine persuasion. God is persuading um, the, the recipient, the one who chooses to receive this revelation, the one who chooses to receive this gift. That's why faith is considered as gift. Ephesians 2, 8 and, and verse 9 as well. It says it, it is by faith that we have been given this um, grace that this is the gift of God. So faith is always received from God. It's never generated by us or from us. Um, as the Lord said, have faith in God. It means faith from God. I have to look in the Greek text there. It's a faith from God. So it, faith has to come from God. It does come from God. But when I receive it, then, and then I, uh, that faith works in me and I act according to that revelation from God, I move according to that, then it becomes my faith. How many of you understand that? Yes? So belief and faith are similar, uh, and, and you can use it uh, interchangeably in, in some context, but uh, some actually say faith involves belief, but it goes beyond the human uh, believing because it involves God's revelation, God's gift. So the Bible reveals this kind of faith. What kind of faith? The faith of God, the faith in God, the faith from God. Three things. What, what does it reveal? The faith of God, the faith in God, the faith from God. Do you want this kind of faith? That's why when we read the Bible, it demands us to believe. Have that faith in Genesis 1-1, as it says, in the beginning, 
God created the heavens and what did, what did God do? So what kind of faith does it demand? Does the Bible demand that we believe in the blank God, the creator God? There you go. Who created the heavens and the earth. Acts 4.24. You made the heavens and the sea and everything in them. So we believe in the creation, not just the visible creation, but invisible created things as well. He created all things in heaven and on earth, and that is by having the faith in God. But how did God bring all these things about? By commanding all things by his word. Let there be light, he said. Let there be the expanse, the firmament, which is the space, the universe, right? And let there be the land, Right? Let, there be, let the seeds gather and reveal the land. Let there be planets. Let there be trees and let there be uh, the, 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 the stars and let there be the fish in the sea and the birds in the air and let there be, let there be. So he commanded and that's revealing the faith of God, the faith in God, the faith of God. Compare that to Hebrews chapter 11. If you recall reading Hebrews, it has the whole section that starts with by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. Enoch did this, uh, Abel did this. By faith, Enoch did that. By faith, Noah did this. So by faith, so-and-so did that, by faith. So it is, it, um, the motivation, the power that one has um, is faith. So it is a chapter on the people who possess the faith of God, the faith in God, the faith from God. So what we see, therefore, in the history from the beginning to the end is about this kind of faith. Now, our ancestor Adam, who uh, is not just flesh ancestor, but spiritual ancestor because he is a living being. Um, God breathed into him the breath of life and made him a living being. And his name was Adam. So Adam became a living being. A living being actually is, means, um, Adam means living being. And that means um, he is spirit that lives in the flesh. Uh, and he lived in the Garden of Eden where he was to obey the word of God, having faith in God, which said, you can eat from any trees in the Garden of Eden except from this one tree, the tree called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because if you eat of it, what's going to happen? You will surely die. You will surely die. I mean it. And of course, God was not referring to flesh, but the spirit. Trust me, this is what's going to happen to you. But. The tempter came. Of course, he's not referred to as tempter there. He is uh, described as a serpent, a snake. So this is the fallen angel, Satan, also called the devil, coming in the form of um, a snake and then says, you will not surely die. Instead, you will be like God if you eat this fruit. So what he was doing is, certainly he started with Eve, but those words went to Adam as well, was sowing the seed of doubt. What kind of seed? Seed of what? Yes, seed of doubt. Oh, you think God is that almighty? Mm-mm. He can't do what he said he would do, which is you will surely die. He, didn't, he can't really do that. Actually, he doesn't want you to be like him. He doesn't want you to become the almighty. If you eat this fruit, however, you will become like him. So Adam was deceived and took the fruits. And of course, he did not become like God. Instead, he, uh, he had sinned. So sin had entered the spirit. And the spirit died as a result. Because the price of sin is death. And when one sins, death enters. Because that sin was spirit sin. Death entered the spirit. So from Adam came all mankind, all of us here, all descendants of Adam. Not, not only ha- uh, have we inherited the spirit along with the flesh, but the sin in the spirit. And the sin had died. Spirit had died in sin, Romans 5.12 says. 
all men then became destined for hell, which is the price of sin. Not, not just that, spiritual destination, but emotionally and physically, all men became cursed as a result. So all the days of their lives, they will labor. By the sweat of their brow, they will work. And you think that if you work and work, that you will, fruit will be reaped. Instead, thorns and thistles will come out. And all your work will be in vain. It is what God said to um, Adam in Genesis three fifteen on. Um, but uh, right away, Adam sees that curse falling on his children. Abel gets killed by his, um, uh, Abel is his son, but another son, Cain, uh, kills him. And even Cain becomes lost. And then later on, his descendants are destroyed in the flood. So we can see the curse then coming as a result of sin. But we do see men that God calls um, to give them chance to have faith in God. The faith that comes from God. Um, and Noah uh, would be uh, one man who had great faith. Um, he was warned of the deluge. Uh, Hebrews eleven seven says, By faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark. What did he build? And what happens as a result of building the ark? He saved himself and his family. From what? From the flood. Not the flood in Kentucky or, or here or anywhere else, but we're talking about the global flood. I mean, you, that was devastating flood. But imagine that. Multiply that by whatever, where it drowned the entire planet. While everyone died, Noah and his family lived because Noah believed in the word of God and obeyed. So by faith, he obeyed basically the commandment about building an ark. He did not build an ark on his own in his, you know, that was according to his own design, but he followed God's design. God said, this is the size, this is the, um, this is, uh, the shape, and this is what you're supposed to use, what kind of material. And not only that, you're to fill it up with this kind of animals, you know, two by two. You've got to bring them all in. So all of those things were given as instructions. In Genesis 6.22 says, Noah did everything just as God commanded him. So Hebrews 7, 11, 7, um, 11, 7, uh, saying, by his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. Later on, God called on Abraham while he was still called Abram. What does Abram mean? Like uncle, uncle, great uncle. Abraham means what? Father of? Many nations. So his name was Abram, like a, a good, great uncle. But then later God changes his name to Abraham, meaning many nations will come from you. Many descendants will come from that man. Now, of course, if he had many children, that would make sense. But he had how many of his own? Zero. So you would need faith to believe that. So um, God introduced himself to him in Genesis 17, 11, saying, I am the God Almighty. In Hebrew, it's El Shaddai. You've always heard of that, right? Maybe the famous song, El Shaddai. It's just God Almighty. And he promised Abraham of many descendants and many nations coming from those descendants, uh, starting with his own very own son at the age of 100, Abraham's age, and Sarah 90. Certainly Sarah laughed about that when she heard in Genesis 18. That's when um, the Lord said, is anything too hard for the Lord? And then she went, go, right. Amen. I will stop laughing and I'm going to go to work. We're going to go to work. And a year later, what happened? They conceived the child and they laughed and laughed and laughed for the word came true. The Lord proved that he is almighty. The child's name was 
Isaac, yes. And uh, describing about um, Abraham there in Romans 4, 17, it says, I have made you father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being being things that were not. So his body was as good as dead, but even from such body, God gave birth. So when the child was coming of age, perhaps late teens, even early 20, God had told Abraham, his father, give me your only son, Isaac, as a burnt offering. And that will be devastating for all of us. But Abraham, because he had the experience of God bring forth this life from his body as good as dead, he continued on with the faith. And that he trusted God to bring back to him the son, even if he dies, if he were to die. So Hebrews eleven seventeen to 19 says, By faith Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God has said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. So he was ready to kill his son. In his heart, his son was already dead. All he had to do was just carry out uh, and, and stab him with a knife and burn him up. And God saw his great faith in God and his fear for him and said, Abraham, Abraham, do not lay your hand on the lad. Now I know you fear me. You trust me. You believe that I am the almighty. You have the faith that I have given you. So Abraham, as a result, did not have to kill his son. In fact, many descendants would then come from Isaac. Do you believe that? The people of Israel, the Jewish people today, yes, they believe that because they believe God is the God of Abraham, God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. So the people of Israel coming from that line um, the, uh, were released from their slavery in Egypt um, by Moses. And God spoke to Moses from the burning bush in Exodus three fourteen, saying, I am that I am. When Abe, uh, and Moses asked him, what's your name? What, what did I tell them if they asked me, who sent me? What do you say? What, 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 was he say? what was he supposed to say? I am that I am. So God was saying, this is my name. I am, which means the self-existent God, which means the almighty. So while I, when I say I am, you're going to say the self-existent God, the almighty. Now, initially, Moses refused to go because Moses was a fugitive and he was very timid uh, and he was not confident at all because he said, I I cannot speak and I am one dead. I killed someone and they want to kill me. I can't go. So that's why God showed signs of um, uh, Moses having his hand in his um, coat and, and his clothes and coming out lepers and that being also cleansed again and throwing his staff on the ground and staff turning into what? Snake and picking up, turn back to uh, staff. So Moses saw the signs of God right before his eyes. So now he could not refuse. So he went in to uh, Egypt to bring the people out. And there with the staff representing the name of the Lord God with him, that name is Jehovah. He performed many signs called the 10 plagues, including the Passover night. Now, because of that, by the blood of the Passover lamb, the two million people who had been living in that land as slaves of Egypt for four generations left overnight. That's called the exodus of Israel. Now, some people can say, wow, all those things happened because Moses was a great man. He had great confidence. He was an able man. Would Moses say that? Mm-mm. He's going to say, I did it by faith. What did he do it by? faith. Yes, because he had faith, he obeyed God's command. He simply followed what God told him to do. 
God says, strike the water with your, touch your uh, water with your staff. And water turned what? Hello, the water turned? You already forgot what you read in the month of January. It's like done and put it in the shelf. I'm done for the year. Water turned? Blood. Yeah, and so many more uh, frogs, locusts, all those things that you know. So all those 10 plagues happened. And that was a result of Moses simply following the commands of God. So the, seeing the wonders, uh, we see the writer in Psalm 78 says, they, um, it said, those people who mocked, um, mocked the, um, the Israelites following Moses into the desert were later on put to shame because these people were able to live and survive the desert, which is not a friendly environment. So Psalm 78, 19 to 20 says, they spoke against God. They said, can God really spread a table in the wilderness? True, he struck the rock and water gushed out streams flowed abundantly. But can he also give us bread? Can he supply meat for his people? And the answer was what? Yes, yes, yes. So Moses struck a rock and water sprang out. They drank. And when they said, we don't have bread, we need bread. What happened? God sent manna from heaven, bread from heaven. And when they said, man, cannot live on water and bread alone. We need some meat. What happened? God sent quails, which flew and then went. I'm just like imagining a sight, like swarm of birds, like flying from somewhere. And then suddenly. Yes, that's what happened. So people who mocked them were put to shame. So they experienced this miracle for 40 years in the desert. Did they all survive and enter the promised land then? No. It is actually only two people out of 600,000 males. You add on others, it's about 2 million. So it's two out of 2 million people. Only they enter the promised land. What's the problem? What happened to the rest? They all die because they doubted. Because they doubted. And they had grumbled and and rebelled against God out of that doubt. They no longer had the faith. They no longer believed. In fact, they really did not believe. They probably went like in a haste, like with like, oh my God, I don't know what's going on. Okay, we're all leaving. We're all leaving. And, And then they really didn't have that faith to carry them until the end, except for the two. While they were, um, in the desert, it was there God commanded them to build a sanctuary where the name of Jehovah would be. And the ark was there. And inside the ark was the vase or the vase with sample, a sample of manna in it. So that the people of Israel would look to the tabernacle and remember what name? The name of Jehovah, which is the name of what kind of God? The almighty God. And that is simply Jehovah alone is the almighty. What did they remember? Jehovah alone is almighty who fed our ancestors, who gave water to our ancestors. And when they were um, uh, struck with plagues, uh, they were bitten by venomous snakes. Uh, Moses had to make a bronze snake and people who looked to the bronze snake were healed. So healing, food, all of that was provided by the almighty God, Jehovah. All that you would expect them to continue on with their faith, but they still forgot what Jehovah had done. So it's in same, uh, same Psalm, Psalm 78, 11 to 17 there. They forgot what he had done, the wonders he has shown them, even though he performed so many miracles, parting the sea, giving them manna and giving them water, giving them quails and healing, all of that, they lost their faith. They forgot. And verse 17 says, they continued to sin against him, rebelling in the wilderness against the Most High. And that's why they were struck with plagues. They were put to death by their enemies and taken as captives. However, according to Solomon, the king who built the temple of Jerusalem, if they were to turn their hearts, 
even turning their bodies toward the temple of Jerusalem and said, we are sorry. We went astray. So forgive us, heal us, bring us back. The Lord listened to them because he is good God. So um, 2 Chronicles 6.29, when a prayer please made by anyone among your people Israel, this was prayer by uh, Solomon as he was consecrating the temple, being aware of their afflictions and pains, spreading out their hands toward the temple, this temple, then hear from heaven your dwelling place, forgive and deal with everyone according to all they do. So was the temple of Jerusalem important for the people of Israel? Yes. So when one man standing in front of it said, destroy this temple and I will raise it again three days. How did they respond? Amen? No man. No man. Don't you say that. Don't you say that. When Yeshua, who claimed himself to be the son of God, said destroy this temple, they heard it as destroy the building where the name of Jehovah was, who was the almighty God. For the people of Israel. And because of their faith in him. They did everything. And if they did everything. He blessed them physically. Physically they survived. And they prospered. So they cannot imagine living without the temple. The name of Jehovah. The name of the Almighty. But what Yeshua was saying is. Now, is t- now a new time has come. That you will not have faith in Jehovah. But faith in Yeshua. Faith in Yeshua himself. As he said in John 14.1. You believe in God. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. Now he's speaking to the Jews, right? So the Jews, the Jewish people who believe in Jehovah. But now he's saying, now the time of Jehovah is gone. A new time has come. The time the temple is gone. The the temple that uh, was representing the God of the people of Israel only. But now a new time has come. So tear that down. A new temple will be built. And that was referring to his death and his resurrection. After I die, I'll be raised from the dead. And I'll reveal to you that I am the Almighty. I, as in Yeshua. Do you believe that? That he will reveal that he himself is the Almighty. So the people of Israel believe that Jehovah is the one who parted the sea. So they walked through the sea. He sent manna from heaven. And then he had Moses raise up the bronze snake and they were healed. Here's Yeshua saying, now it's time for you to believe in Yeshua, the Father's name. John 5, 43, in which I came and that now I'm not going to deliver people from physical slavery in Egypt, but now I'm going to deliver through my death and resurrection souls, the souls of all men from the prince of the world, a.k.a. the devil. Now this time, not by the blood of animals, but the blood of Yeshua himself, by his own blood, he would accomplish this, amen? He himself would show that he is the almighty by not just parting the sea and walking, that he himself will walk on water. He will multiply fish and bread and feed what? Thousands. And he himself will heal countless people. And later on, whoever believes him will be saved. That's what he meant when he said, destroy the temple and I'll raise it again in three days. Do you believe that? He came to reveal himself, not through some moral lessons of the word, but by the evidence of his work. Let's go to John 14, 11 together. Believe me when I say that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Let's read that again for everyone. Believe me when I say that I'm in the Father. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Certainly they had a hard time believing in his words. Because he was saying that he was sent by God. That he's a son of God. That he himself is God. But here he is saying, I know it's hard for you to believe. But believe on the evidence that you are seeing. 
What's the evidence? What were they seeing? His works. What were his works? He didn't just, yes, he did preach and teach, but that's not all he did in his ministry years. For three years, after being baptized in water and the Holy Spirit, he dedicated all, every single day, the work of healing, driving out demons, and doing miraculous works. So, uh, in John 5, there's a story of an invalid man who was sitting by a pool, right? And he was lying there. And he, he's a man who was invalid for 38 years. And Yeshua saw him, how long he's been suffering like that. So he had compassion on him. And he asked him, do you want to get well? And the man said, yes, but no, I, you know, I cannot get up. And it, when the angel comes out and stirs the water, the other people are going ahead of me. Nobody's helping me to get in the water. So then the Lord said to him, get up, pick up your mat and do what? Did the man get up? Yes. Pick up his mat. Yes. Did he walk? Yes. So the moment that he heard the word from Yeshua saying, get up in the form of command, the man had to then have the, he had the choice. Do I take this and act on it or not? He could have just continued to be like, can you just like do something about it? Like stop telling me what to do and help me out here. But he heard the authority in his voice saying, get up. He, he probably felt the compassion of the Lord looking at him. And there was something that's irresistible about his command. That at that moment, he had the desire to round up all that he has in, in him to believe. The faith that is of God, of Yeshua, from Yeshua, he possessed. He possessed that faith. And then he gathered up all the strength that he had to get up for the first time in 38 years. To pick up the mat and then walk. Do you believe that? That's how that miracle happened. And similarly, a paralytic man in Mark 2, and this is always so amazing every time we read it. It's just like, he was not, he didn't come to the Lord because he was paralyzed. But his um, friends brought him. And, and, and Yeshua was uh, preaching and probably like driving out demons, doing all his work in someone's home. Uh, and there's a lot of people there. So it was probably like crazy in there. So the people who were bringing um, this paralyzed man on a cot couldn't get through the house. But they were so desperate and they knew that Yeshua was in there. And they believed that if this man, their friend, was to be brought before Yeshua, he would be healed. So what did they do? They went up to the roof. What did they do up on the roof? They ripped it open. They ripped it open. Not a tornado, but they ripped it open. I mean, I, I don't know how long it took. Probably the roof was not that strong back in the day, but still, I, it took a lot of work. Maybe they got cuts and maybe it took a while. I don't know, but I could see them going like, because they're so desperate. We've got to do it. Hurry up. He might leave. Oh, our chance for my, our friend to be healed is leaving. Let's do it. Let's do it. And the cot was lower from the roof. Can you imagine people are like doing it? And then suddenly it's like, <laughs> wow, a cot, a sick man from heaven. And the friends are going, I can totally see, imagine that. And the Lord was so touched, so touched, so moved by their faith. And then he said, he saw their faith. And, and Mark 2, 5 says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. So the man got up and walked and was healed. Do you believe that? So seeing their faith, the Lord healed. 
the sickness of many. Another uh, case in Luke 8, a woman who was subject to bleeding, she was in a crowd, um, uh, as Yeshua was always uh, surrounded by crowds of people. He came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and instantly her bleeding, uh, the bleeding that she was suffering from for 12 years had stopped at that instant. And the Lord, she was hoping, would just go on and not notice her, but he stopped and he said, who touched me? And Peter was saying, like, Lord, there's so many of us brushing up against you. Who, how do you know that anybody touched you? I mean, there were so many of us who might have touched you. And the Lord said, I felt my power go out. So that the woman had to come forward and say, it was me. And she explained everything that had happened to her. And the Lord said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Who healed her? Her faith. Where did her faith come from? If you think about it, her faith came from God, from Yeshua. So faith is in these scenarios. What happened here is that it's to press on. In spite of the shame and and whatever. Not caring what other people think. It's to just reach out your hand and say, if I could just touch a corner. If I could just rip this roof and then drop my friend so that he'd be seen and be touched and be prayed for by Yeshua. It's being that desperate to be brought before the almighty Yeshua That is called faith. So the father of a boy who was deaf and mute came to Yeshua in Mark 9. The teacher, I brought you my son who was possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth and gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive the spirit, but they could not. The disciples are going. And then the Lord, and then, and, and then, and he continued. If you can do anything. Take pity on us and help us. What did Yeshua say in response to that? If you can, everything is possible for him who believes. Say it with me. Everything is possible for him who believes. Everything is possible for he who believes, the one who believes. And the man said, yes, I do believe. Help my unbelief. Help me to overcome my unbelief. I have the desire to believe. I do believe. But I need this faith. I need the faith in God, the faith in Yeshua, faith in you to come from you so that I can be blessed. And the faith came. And by that faith, his son was healed. Hallelujah. And even Peter experienced that when the Lord had said to Peter in Luke 5, drop your net here after Peter had been fishing all night. And Peter was a veteran fisher. I mean, he was probably a, a, like second, third generation fisherman. But when the Lord said, drop your net here, that was the moment he had to suspend surrender his knowledge and experience he had to suspend his experience his probability statistics throughout the window and trade all of that with faith and then when he obeyed the word of yeshua and dropped the net what happened so many fish went to the net the net started breaking and they had to call for another boat to 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 put these fish in because the boats were beginning to sink do you believe that This is the same man in Matthew 14 where he saw Yeshua walking and said, Lord, if it is you, if you're not, the, if you're not a ghost, but it is you, Yeshua, command me to come to you. And the Lord said, come. And Peter jumped from the boat and walked on water. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? He walked on water. How was he able to walk on water? Did he say, I believe I can walk on water. Should we try that in Hudson today? Don't do it. Don't try it at home. Don't try that at home because you will sink. How was he able to walk? 
Because the Lord commanded. The word was there. And based on the word, he threw his life on that word. And he obeyed. And when that obedience happened, he walked on water. The faith that comes from God, the faith that is of God, the faith that is in God is based on the word of God. The word has to be there. And when we obey, then we experience the power, the strength, the miracle. Amen. So that's why Yeshua said about the uh, fig tree that was withered, right? Mark 11, where we began. Um, Peter remembered the Lord cursing the fig tree, right? A couple days ago and say wither and found the tree to be withered and dead. So Peter said to the Lord, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you curse has withered. Wow, how did this happen? I remember it being like green and filled with life and suddenly it's all dead. That's when the Lord said, have faith in God. So there the Greek word is eskete pistin theou. So eskete is to have and pistin, pisteo is, is uh, faith, but of God. So from God, theou. So have faith in God. That's what our uh, English translation says. But in Greek, it's actually faith from God. So have faith from God, which goes with how I defined earlier on. Faith is a gift of God. Faith is gift from God. Do you want this gift? Do you think you need gift? This gift from God called faith. But I want a job. I want a lot of money. You can have a job. You can have a lot of money. You can even have health. But all that can be gone tomorrow. And in the end, our breath will be lost. We'll be gone. But faith, faith. It may seem worthless and not valuable. It may seem so insignificant in life in the eyes of the world. But it is by faith one can be saved from hell and the burning universe and, and, and be brought into the Father's heart, brought before God, the Almighty. Amen. But not only that, in, during the lifetime, in times of need, we will find help because of faith, by faith. Amen. So, Yeshua himself who performed all these miracles, even commanding a tree to wither and that word coming true because he is who? The word in the beginning who commanded all things to come from nothing. He in fact is the one who said, let there be and all things came. Amen. But when he came to his own death, he did not perform any miracles. When, when his, one of his disciples betrayed him, and then conspired with the Jewish leaders and then passed him over to the Roman soldiers to be crucified, be treated like a criminal and be killed in such a brutal way. He did not do anything to perform miracles or signs. He did not do anything. He did not say anything to defend himself. It is because for the purpose of dying on the cross, he came. The war became flesh. It was the moment that he laid down his life According to the father's command, John 10, 17, this is the command they received from the father. So when he died on the cross, he let it be known that it was the moment it was finished. The work was finished. So he said, it is finished. It is all completed. I have finished what I came to do. Certainly he came to heal. He came to perform signs. He came to help. But ultimately it is the cross that he came to endure. That is his death. Because that was the command of the father. According to the father's word, the son obeyed. And he said in John 12, 50, I know that his command leads to? His command leads to what? Eternal life. So only when he lays down his life and he does it willingly, not forcibly. He does it willingly in obedience to the father's command. Then the father will bring him back to life. 
the father will give him back his life to never lose it again. That he will be raised from the dead through his resurrection. Hallelujah. He believed. He also had to have faith. Even though he is God. Let's go to John 1. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. So we talked about Genesis 1 as the beginning of the creation, the creator making all things visible and invisible, all things. But that God Almighty is Yeshua here, the word. Sorry, I'm getting out of myself. It is the word. It is through the word all things were made. So it is by the faith of God, faith from God, that this was possible. He is the one who commanded, and it's actually the word. The word who was with God, the word who was God. Do you understand that? The word made the world. Amen. And what happened to the word? Verse 14 says, the word and made his dwelling. So where it says the word was God, how are we going to do it? How are we going to read that? The word was the all. The word was the almighty. So the almighty God, the almighty became flesh. So let's read that. The almighty God became. Wow. Suddenly. It's like eyes open. Who is Yeshua? He is the almighty God who became flesh. And he made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the father, full of grace and truth. The almighty God became flesh. Why? How can the almighty God become flesh? What does flesh mean? Completely opposite, total opposite of being almighty. You're not able. I'm not able. I'm not able to know what's behind my back. What's what's going to happen next minute. I am flesh. I'm human. I'm a creature. I'm bound by time and space and my abilities, my knowledge. I know nothing. I cannot do all things. And like like such a human, such a creation, the almighty God became. The word became flesh. The almighty God became flesh. And it was for this moment for him to lay down his life. But he did so trusting that the father God, according to his promise, will raise him back three days after his death. And he certainly did so. Hallelujah. So Hebrews 12, 2, saying that he is the pioneer and perfecter of faith. The author and the finisher of faith. Yeshua had to have faith to trust the father when he laid down his life. Do you believe that? But through his death, he also condemned the enemy, the devil who tempted mankind, uh, all men in Adam with doubt. He's the one who sowed the seed of doubt. But Yeshua condemned him through his perfect obedience in his death. And he sprinkled his precious blood. That is the redeeming blood of God as seed, not of Doubt, but this time, seed of what? Faith. What is his blood? The seed of faith. So that later on, whosoever hears this good news will receive. And that seed of faith will grow. So from faith to faith, they would go. Hallelujah. The father raised him back from, uh, uh, from raised him back to life from the dead. Yeshua resurrected. The resurrection of Yeshua testifies that God is the almighty. What does it testify? Do you believe that Yeshua resurrected? 
You know what that means? That you believe that God is the Almighty. Hallelujah. The greatest power in the world, in the history of the world, is to raise somebody from the dead and that person never dies again. To be raised back from the, from the dead and never die again. That's called resurrection. There's plenty of people in Yeshua's time and even during the prophetic prophet's time were raised back, to, raised back to life from the dead. But did they go on living like Lazarus? If, he, if Lazarus was around, we'd be talking, we could, we'd be meeting with him. Or we'd be like saying, hello, hey, Lazarus. But that was not resurrection. He died after that. He's not around anymore. Everyone dies and doesn't come back from that. Even if they might come back, they die again to never come back. But resurrection is to come back to life and never die again. And that's what exactly what happened to Yeshua, showing the greatest power of the Almighty God. Hallelujah! And it is, and and the Father took him to heaven. Yeshua sat down on the throne in heaven, where he receives praises from the angels forever and ever as the Almighty God. And it's from the throne the Holy Spirit was sent. To the world, specifically to the believers in the world. Believers. If you are a believer, say amen. What do you believe? So many things. Of the word, logos. I believe that Yeshua is God. The sinless God. But became flesh and died in my place. And when he died in my place, he paid the price of my sin. And, and he shed his precious blood as seed of faith. And by calling on the name of Yeshua, I have received that seed. And that seed is now growing inside of my soul. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit in me is the one who is testifying that. That's what happened at the Pentecost in Acts 2. Where the believers were in, ga- in hiding. But they were gathered according to uh, Yeshua's command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but stay here praying, waiting for the counselor, the gift, the gift, the gift is coming. And that was referring to the Holy Spirit coming in the name of Yeshua. And while in, though they were in hiding out of fear, but at the same time, keeping the word, once they received the Holy Spirit, we read that in Acts 2. Initially, what happened? The sign, the obvious sign is what? They started speaking in tongue and then they couldn't stay in hiding anymore they had to go out bust down the doors and they poured out to the streets and people went like they're great can you imagine the people they're suddenly like that's why they were saying you guys must be drunk on new wine not just any wine new wine like alcohol like 200 percent. you must be crazy you must be out of your minds and you must be drunk but there was peter saying like do you know what time it is why would we be drunk at this hour? It is the Holy Spirit who, according to the promise of Yeshua, whom you kill, God raised him back to life. We are witnesses of this fact. Hallelujah. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, they became bold and confident. Let's see what, what, what they pray for. Let's go to Acts 4, 29. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs wonders through the name of your holy servant jesus after they pray the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the holy spirit and spoke the word of god boldly so why what were they praying for that very last line is what they were praying for to be filled with the holy spirit and do what to get your dream job to get the dream girl, Lord, please give me a brother. Please give me a sister. Please give me a better job. A happy family. Is that what they were praying for? 
I mean, certainly, again, I'm not dismissing the needs of our physical life. He will provide for us what we need to go on daily life. But that's not what the church pray for. What the, this gathering is referring to the gathering in the name of Yeshua. That is the church, the early church. And it, when the early church was founded, it was um, surrounded. It was in the midst of great persecution against followers of Christ, who are later on called Christians. They weren't initially called Christians. They were just followers of this cult, like this new faith, this new religion, they thought. So their lives were at risk, but they were gathered up and they prayed for the Lord to be with them, that they may gain boldness. So they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God boldly. Hallelujah. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He comes to support the church, the gathering in the name of Yeshua. Do we want the Holy Spirit to support our church, the church of Jesus? Uh Uh-oh. Amen? Yes. The church and those who will take risk seeking the power of God. Power of God, meaning to have signs and wonders present in the name of Yeshua. Do we want signs and wonders be present in my life today? Do we need signs and wonders present in my life today? If you're a man of praise, that is your answer, yes. Amen. Otherwise, why are you praying? We pray for the, we pray for things that are impossible. Pray for the impossible that only God who is almighty can make it possible. So when we're praying, it's the act of seeking signs. So you can't just sit there and be like, oh, why is she so excited? Like, what's this got to do with me? I got a lot of other things to worry about. A lot of things to worry about? You have a lot of things to worry about? What am I going to say about that? Do what? Do what? You tell me you got a lot of things to worry about. What do I say? So some of you come to me and you already have an answer. I'm like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. See you later. Yeah, okay. I know you're going to say, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, see you. Yeah. So what am I going to say? Pray. Prayer is seeking those signs and wonders in the name of Yeshua. In my life. To be present in my life today. No, they're not over. They're still present because the Holy Spirit is present. The church is present. The body of Christ is present. If the head performs signs and reveal that he's the almighty, the almighty, the almighty is present in the body of Christ today. That is the church in the name of Yeshua. So as members, we ought to seek this. And we see Peter in Acts 3 saying, silver or gold, I do not have. He's speaking a lame man. And he says, the man was like looking for some kind of help, maybe spare change. And here's Peter saying, so boldly, the man who wasn't hiding in previous chapter. And suddenly he's saying, silver or gold, I do not have, but what I give to you. In the name of Yeshua, Jesus of Nazareth, get up and walk. And what did the man do? The man, the man went, oh, he got up and began to walk and began to leap and began to jump. And he went his way praising God. Hallelujah. And even Paul in Acts 19, 11 to 12, it says, God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cursed um, and the evil spirits left them. So he had great power coming out of him. It is in the name of Yeshua at that time that even the object that touched him when that was brought to the sick, they were healed. Oh, so is that what we want? We need to look for Paul's apron and handkerchief. Then we could do all kinds of miraculous stuff. Is that what it means? Because if that were the case, why didn't miracles continue to happen in Paul's ministry? All the letters that he wrote in the New Testament, as you go towards the end of the Bible... We don't see as many incidences of miracles happening as frequently as they did before. 
during Yeshua's time, his three years were filled with these miracles and signs and wonders. And even in the early church, Peter and Paul did all kinds of extraordinary things in the name of Yeshua. But it didn't actually stay that way. The intensity and the frequency actually kind of like stretched out. So like at times that would happen. At other times it would happen. And almost like dormant. Like almost like the signs are gone. No, the signs are not gone. The signs were never gone. Signs are still present today in the name of Yeshua. Amen? The reason why they, the frequency lowered or they become more infrequent is because now as faith is maturing, faith is tested. Now I need to seek faith to fight. Fight against doubt. Fight against doubt in this long period of time where I'm waiting. So I need patience. I need endurance. I need to seek faith and by faith keep on trusting the promise. Keep on trusting the almighty God, Yeshua, the almighty name of Yeshua. Amen. So who is a Christian? Christian is someone who recognizes and surrenders his own Belief in self. In the past, he believed in self. I believe in myself. I believe in myself. I believe in myself. I could be a good student, a good worker. I believe in myself. I'm talented. I could do this. I could do that. But meeting Yeshua, who is the Almighty, just like Peter, who had seen the miracle of all this fish just swimming into the net, and then like in, in, the impossible suddenly becoming possible right before his eyes, he fell on his knees and said, I'm a sinful man. Leave me. Those were his words. When he saw the miracles, he says, I'm a sinful man. Leave me. What does that mean? How can we be together, Yeshua? You are the almighty God. And I am an unable, sinful creature. I'm pathetic. I'm worthless. I'm powerless. Leave me. But the Lord does not leave. For we have his blood, the seed of faith in the soul. The Holy Spirit testifies. And that when I surrender, he lets me experience that by the faith in God. The faith that comes from God. The faith in God. The faith of God. That I can experience his power in my life. Hallelujah. In the past, during the early church era, all these things happened so quickly for the gospel to spread quickly. The early church to grow really, really quickly. So many people converted. The kingdom was expanding so quickly in that time. But once it becomes a little bit more settled, we see less of those cases. It's because now the faith has to mature. So as Christians on the Lord's Day, instead of staying at home and resting, we come in the name of Yeshua. We gather to worship him. That's what we're doing today. Do you believe that? You agree. You came to worship him. Amen. Proskuneo in Greek means to worship, to seek his face, to surrender. So to surrender. Even though we're standing, uh, we're sitting all our times and we're standing. But the praise we give standing, standing meaning because he is seated on the throne and I'm his subject, I stand. Or even on my knees, I worship him. Prayer is when, when I'm surrendering to live on my own my, by my confidence and I trust his confidence, the faith that comes from him alone. So how are we going to, how am I going to live the rest of the year? I mean, it's already March and I'm already like bombarded with problems. I cannot imagine this continuing for how many more months? The answer is by faith. What is the answer? What is the answer? By faith. By faith. 
by having faith in God, by having faith in Yeshua. Amen. So even when I am oppressed, even when I am not answered, even when I am not healed, even when I am not with, with fruit of my effort in preaching, trying to save souls, I am not to grow weary and lose heart. Hebrews 12, 3 says, consider him who endures such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. The Lord endures so that he will, that we will not grow weary and lose heart. Weary. What does weary mean? Weary means be bored, get tired. Being weary means I'm tired. I, how long do I do this for? This again? The people of Israel in the wilderness, for how many years did they go in a circle basically? 40 years. How long have you been in COJ for? How many years? You can still use your two hands? Okay. All right. If you can't count with the two hands anymore, then talk to me. Even so, you could go. (laughs) No, I'm not dancing. I'm just counting. Yes. So 40 years, same menu, same all, same faces, same clothes, same thing. Over and over again. Yes. So they were tested, tested tested so in this christian life you pray sickness comes and you pray for healing but healing doesn't come quickly as quickly as it used to in the beginning beginning of your faith as a newcomer pray somebody pray for you the group pray for you believers pray for you pastor pray for you lay the hand and boom healing came so quickly but now i'm fasting i'm crying out but it's not coming I've been praying for this thing. I just a little help I need, but it's just not coming. I'm obeying and I'm praying and doing all these things, but life is still being struck, troubled, oppressed. I'm hit every corner wherever I go. It's just not turning out right. What is wrong? This is when faith needs to show its power. The faith that comes from God tells me to surrender, and surrendering means to give up, and then in giving up my own self-confidence, I am trading that with the faith that comes from God, that gives me the power to not give up as a result of not growing weary and not losing heart. Amen. Faith means to not become despaired. Faith means to not become discouraged. Faith means to not give up. What do you say? It is to pray like Elijah did after the drought had come. Rain was held back for three years and six months. He had to pray the same prayer on that hot stone, the rock where he, his head was like between his legs. I can't even imagine. It's like a yoga position. He's praying like that in the desert sun for seven times. He prayed. He prayed for the rain to come. And he sent the servant out to go and see for a sign. And finally, when the servant had said, oh, after the seven times of praying, oh, finally, there's a small cloud, as small as a man's hand is in the sky. And Elijah saw that as answer to his prayer, and exactly that's what happened. Rain finally came. Amen. Even Yeshua, when he was healing, at times he laid his hand, he drove out demons by commanding, and he had told people to go and do certain things, and by their faith they obeyed and they were healed. But at other times, while he was healing, there was a blind man that he had uh, touched and was healing, and, 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 the, and, the, and the Lord said to him, do you see anything? And the man said, what? What, what, what do you see? 
I see trees walking. How does he know what tree looks like? But anyway, he said, trees walking. And Yeshua, okay, come back. Let's do it again. Wait a minute. Isn't Yeshua almighty? Yes, he is. So why do you think that happened? Because after that, the man then saw. He saw man. He saw Yeshua first. So why did Yeshua have to have like another go? It's for us today to talk about it, to read it and say, yes, I'll have another go. I will not give up. I will keep on going. I will keep on trying until the answer comes, until the demon leaves, until the sickness and curse leaves. I will continue to pray, continue to have faith. Hallelujah. It is to not give up. Prayer begins with receiving the answer, as the Lord said. When you ask, know that you have received. When you pray, know that you have received. Begin, begin with the answer. Until, as Hebrews 11 says, faith is a substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Until the substance is revealed, that faith is seen. Until the substance is finally seen, touched, and felt. I will continue to pray. What do you say? Do you have prayer to be answered right now? Only three people? Do you have pray? Do you have a prayer? Do you have something that you're praying for that needs to be answered? Do you need God to answer your prayer? Know that you have already received the answer. Amen? Then what, what, then what am I waiting for? For the substance. For the materializing of that prayer. For the answer to finally be materialized. Substan- substantively in front of me. In my life. I need to continue to pray. Amen? So even if I am not bearing fruit. Though I go out and seek souls. And many names I get. And I try to bring them on Sunday. As you, Pastor King last week too was like, wish it was that easy. My God, you just put it up on social and people just show up like, how did that happen? Oh my God, I worked so hard for one person to show up one day. These guys are coming days after days. They have hours of waiting, they're just coming. It's so hard. Should I give up? And that's what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, 1 to 5. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone conscious in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded me, blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servant for Jesus sake so even if they don't come because the message is too hard or this is too much it's impractical this spirit just always obey 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 it is finished destroy it is finished and then die 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 you know <laughs> die 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 yeah die 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 like let, let it let it go and let it uh, surrender and obey and submit and therefore they don't then they lose interest and I'm not bearing fruit or it's just something wrong I can't how much do I have to do this for how much longer do I have to do this these words give us encouragement by the Holy Spirit. Same words that, the, that Paul wrote to the churches at, in his time 2,000 years ago. Still gives us encouragement. Reminding us, faith is to never become discouraged. Faith is to never become disheartened. Faith is to never become despaired. Faith is to never give up. 
and if I am preaching the good news, the truth of Jesus Christ, and that I am revealed as servant of Christ, that he is the one who sent me to speak his words, in the end, he will answer, and there will be fruit, there will be disciple. Until then, I must not become discouraged, I must not give up, I must not slow down, I must not go back, but I must press on. Amen? I used to, when I used to go to Europe and finish Logos, you know, it usually it just, it used to be like two-year course because I'm not there all the time. So we will meet for like crash course for a week, four days, three nights and four days, very intensive, twice a year in, in a country, and then have that two years. And, you know, they don't have this kind of preaching every day. They don't have the environment of church like we have here, you know. So it's very difficult for them to understand But leaving the ministry here, the church here, my family here, and going there. And at some point, I was doing like two countries in two weeks. It was very intense. At the end of each class, and we will have ceremony, and everybody's getting excited. They get dressed up. They get the completion thing. And I will go back to my room, and I'll just sob. Because I personally pour pour myself into sharing this precious teaching and as church, we make this investment and this sacrifice to allow this opportunity for these souls. Out of these souls, how many have been changed and how many, have, how many will continue on and carry this word of truth? And I feel the same um, when I finish here too. It, it, as we finished Logos USA 12 last night, I mean, God wills, I'm going to see you next week um, in, in 13, many of you, but... I still feel this um, sense of emptiness. Like, I've done all this. I might not, not, not perfect. Um, it, certainly, no way, in no way was it perfect, but I think I did my best. Um, and I kind of imagine like a, sh- a Sherpa. I don't know you guys. Sherpa is the guy or the person who leads the hikers up to Mount Everest. They're the mountain guides, and they're seasoned climbers. I, I'm not a, I didn't make it to the summit. But I'm kind of the guy. And understanding about Yeshua being our father and teacher. I had that image in my mind as I was praying this morning too. It came to me. and I think I've done my best to guide these souls to know who Yeshua is. And how wonderful and how great he is. Um, Even though this path is very difficult. Because of who he is. It is worth our sacrifice to go there. Even if it means being isolated and being shunned by our families and losing friends and losing job opportunities and losing vacation time and having good time and good life. I'm surrendering. If that's considered as even surrender in the eyes of the Lord. I think I've done my best, but I don't, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. And I feel like, that, like the guy that comes to a certain point and says, okay, now on your way, you go. So when I was preparing for this, and even this morning, I didn't realize, but as I was reading the word again, as Paul is saying, we do not lose heart. Because of God's mercy, we have this ministry of sharing who Yeshua is. Even if physically we might not have the numbers we want, or the seeing life being transferred and continuing on in their faith life and growing and becoming servants like me, or at least to my level, making that disciple. 
even if I'm not seeing that right now and right away. I'm not to lose heart because the one who has called me is the Almighty and he is Yeshua. He is the Lord and I am his servant. And therefore, I'm not to add anything to the teaching and to the preaching and take away anything from this message, but to continue, carry on. And when I do that and not give up and not be discouraged by what I see, what I feel, but what I experience, but I continue trusting that this faith is the faith in God, the faith of God, the faith from God, from Yeshua, then the Lord will certainly, certainly materialize my faith and make it substance. And I will see the result of that faith in this life and certainly in that life. Hallelujah. So let us, let us seek this faith in which nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible by this faith. Give me this faith. Amen. Let's pray. How we quickly give up. How quickly we become discouraged. We are like little children. So moody. So shallow. So immature. So sensitive to physical things. Yet so insensitive to the spiritual things. Why are we giving up so quickly? Why do we lose heart so quickly? Where is the faith? This faith is the precious gift from God. The God who has already given us all. His precious life through the Son Yeshua. Who took my place. Paid the price of all my sins. And saved me. Through the Holy Spirit, he has given me this faith, the seed of faith. I will not lose this faith no matter what. So help me. Help me. Hold me fast. Hold me fast and never let me go. Let's raise our hands to heaven, Yeshua.